Welcome to A Teaspoon of Healing, where we explore the pathways to wellness and vibrant living. Listen to personal stories of healing and interviews with experts. It's time to open a doorway to healing in your life through positive changes. Here is your host, Dawn Damari. Hi, I'm Dawn Damari, and you're listening to another episode of A Teaspoon of Healing. Today's topic is overwork and stress and how those things can not only cause health problems, they can make health issues worse. And for those of you who are small business owners, entrepreneurs, you'll definitely want to listen. My guest is Phil Newton. He's the owner of a company called Unhustled, and he used to work extremely long hours, and he turned everything around to where he works. A lot less hours, has a lot more free time, and gets a lot more done. So stay tuned and you can apply these tips not only to your business, but to your life. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please consult a physician or other health professional before undertaking changes in lifestyle or wellness habits. The author claims no responsibility to any person or entity for any liability, loss, or damage caused or alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of use, application, or interpretation of the information presented herein. And before we get into our interview, let's hear from one of our sponsors, Golf Tours. Hi, this is Goff, owner of Golf Tours, specializing in stand-up paddleboarding or surfing lessons. I even do snorkeling. You can reach me here. Orange County has what you're looking for. You can contact me via email at gofftours at gmail.com or mobile number is 949-338-5937, gofftours.com. Hi, I'm Dawn Damari, and you're listening to A Teaspoon of Healing. Today, my guest is Phil Newton from Unhustled. Hi, Phil. Hi, how are you doing? Pleasure to be here. I wanted to talk about Unhustled and how your experience with overwork may have actually led to some health issues or exaggerated health issues you had, and help people, help people out there who are going through the same thing. What changed for you from your working 14-hour days to doing what you're doing now, which is very successful? I mean, I suppose like most people, you buy into the philosophy of if you work hard, because I've got to admit, I was taught that growing up. If you work hard, you'll see some sort of measure of success. However you measure it, whatever success means to you, you'll, you'll get it from working hard. And that usually means long, hard hours, you know, 10, 12, 14, 15 hour days. And that's what I saw my parents do as well. You know, brought up on a working farm, um, sun up to sundown or usually well after sun, sundown. So that long hours was quite common for me. So I just thought that's how you did it. So when I started my kind of working journey, it was, let's do that. Let's do all the hours that, you know, <laughs> land in front of us as much as possible under the pretense that we'll see some sort of success, either financially or career progression or whatever it is that you're pursuing. And that creates all sorts of stress. And what I didn't realize, I hadn't made the connection at that point, but I'd had on and off issues all my life with health, which I now know is Crohn's disease, but I'd had like okay. little mini flare ups and maybe right. I was just a little bit more of a stressful child, who knows? <laughs> no, yeah. but, it, know but looking back on it, that was certainly, uh, you know, very prevalent in, in my growing up. So the tipping point was just in my early twenties. I was, you know, driving, you know, an hour and a half, two hours to work, you know, which is you know, standard for most people. Then you're doing the, the long extra extra hard work from a time point of view and then right. same journey back. And 
that just adds up and takes its toll and something just burst. And for me, it just created this, you know, flare up of the Crohn's disease. And oh, I, I realized my lifestyle had to change. Uh, the good news is there, there is a happy ending to the solution. Um, I, I, I generally think it was the best thing that ever happened to me while having a priest stand over me and ask me if I want the last rites wasn't a pleasant experience. Oh, gosh. But you'd actually had a priest read your last rite. So it got really serious. No, well, yeah, I had a, a a little knock on the door while I was in hospital. It was really serious. Right. Um, I always yes. I always joke about it because you know you've, you've got to yes. laugh about these things. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, yeah, but this is really serious, and this is what can happen to people. Yeah. So, and this is this is really serious. Is what a wake up call. Exactly. In my case, it was Crohn's disease, but it could be any sort of issue, whether it's mental health and um, physical health. I mean, usually all these things get manifested in some way. Right. Um, you know, something sacrifices or get sacrificed if you're, you know, neglecting yourself in some way. It was the Crohn's disease really came, came to life. And, you know, I just had a knock on the door while I was, while I was in bed. I didn't realize actually how bad I was, just a knock on the door. And the, the hospital chaplain just came in and said, son, would you like the last rites? And I was like, no, I don't think I do. <laughs> I'm not ready to give up. Right. But it was just that kind of like, holy smokes, I'm, oh. is it that bad? Yeah. Because I, I, I just didn't realize. But that for me was the kind of the pivotal moment that the kind of the, uh, you know, as well as having a, a physical punch in the guts, you know, a, a, a literal reaction. You know, I, I just thought the sun's got to change. You know, what are all those things that you want to do? And the lifestyle's got to change. You know, what was the cause? What was the tipping point? You know, all right. the things that led up to that over a period of weeks, months, maybe years that, that put me in hospital beds, that's got to change. You know, and for the following couple of years, I was ultimately housebound because, hey, it's a, it's a really serious condition right. and it took a while for it to actually settle yes. down so I could essentially live a normal life. And again, the good news is, as I was starting to say earlier, is that in my situation, it's, it's very mild and, you know, that there's various degrees of this where your intestine essentially does not work yes. to, in my case, where I've got a small um, section of my intestine, which has got permanent scarring. So I do have, mm -hmm. well, it's technically not active. I've got permanent mild symptoms. Okay. So that's what I live with on a, on a day-to-day -day okay. basis, which creates its own problems yes. and frustrations. But what I'm very conscious of is I don't want to do the 14, 15 hour days. I don't want to be sat at the computer all day. I don't want to be doing mm -hmm. the things that everyone else says that you've traditionally got to do to see some type of success with career or work or your own business. Right. So I have to you know, what I want to do is spend as little time as possible doing the things that are, are going to put food on the table, but at the same time, get the most out of it so that I can just grow a business and, and see the fruits of that labor come good. So it's, it's trying to not sacrifice time for success. And I think that's the mistake that most people make. And that's certainly what got me into, you know, the health troubles that I experienced. Absolutely. And a lot of you know, a lot of what happens is in the gut. A lot of your serotonin is made in the gut, everything. Mm. It affects the way you eat when you're working 14-hour days. I've been there. Most of us have. You neglect something, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, food, diet, exercise. Exactly. Yeah, all and, sorts of things but, get sacrificed. Yeah. And culturally, in our culture, it's just the way it is. Well, if you're not doing this, if you're not hustling, especially now, hustle is such a term. Oh, it makes my eyes roll. Boss, I mean. babe. <laughs> boss, babe, hustle, spinning your wheels trying to get maybe one or two clients. I think the objection I have with hustle is it's taken on a different meaning to what I think most people intended. The, the hustle till your eyeballs fall out is you know, right. what a few of the popular uh, gurus like, like to say and talk about. I don't think that you need to exchange time 
to have a hustle going on, whether right. it be a full-time thing or a side hustle, you know, if you you know want to do something else, I think mm-hmm. you've just got to be smart about what you do. Right. I mean, if you genuinely get pleasure out of spending all day sending tweets, like, you know, certain, you know, big business guru celebrity types, if that's your thing, then fine. I'm not saying don't do it, but you don't need to spend all day doing it. it right. You know, do it to the point where it makes sense, but don't, don't spend 14 hours a day doing the things that are just not going to be productive either for your life or for your business. You've got to find that happy medium. And I don't mean like work-life balance because it's all just life. I don't believe that there is that thing, but you can be biased, you know, on the scales of I'm working too much and that's at the sacrifice of health, family, and all the other things. So have that happy balance and, you know, just do the things, certainly from a work point of view, do the things that make sense. And I mean, to try and get unhustled, which is really the, the angle that I yeah. really want to kind of, the, the message I want to get to the world. You don't have to work all day. I mean, if you would ju- just to very simply take a, a, for example, let's take a sheet of paper. You write two lines down, vertical lines down on a landscape. So you've got three columns. And if you write down either from a work or a life point of view, because this could be applied in any way, but let's just focus on their work for a moment. All the things that you've kind of loved doing, the, the reason why you're in business in the first place, you know, the things that you love doing, then there's all those things that you have to do. Like the accounting, I don't like, I don't get any pleasure out of doing the bookkeeping, the accounting, but I have to do it. Right. And then there's all the things that you're doing, but you hate doing, and they're maybe not even productive towards your either business, if you're doing this from a business point of view or from a life point of view, all those things that you hate doing. If you just put a line through all of them, then suddenly you've freed up a significant chunk of your time because we spend more time doing the things that we hate doing because right. we hate doing them. <laughs> and in my case, what I found is I, I probably freed up about, you know, 60% of my time. You know, maybe it's more, maybe it's less, depending on what you're doing. But you can keep doing this process. Just stop doing the things that are not important to either life or business. They're not, they're not, they're just not moving the needle for you at all. Just stop doing them. And how do you identify these? And for some of these things that do need to be done, should is it best to outsource things when you can? What do you suggest like a first step for somebody who's just where you were? So we need to identify the things first. Mm-hmm. So if you can identify the things that you love doing, the things that you have to do, but maybe are not fond of, and then the things that you hate, get rid of things that you hate. You don't need to be okay. tweeting all day. You don't need to be doing YouTube. You probably don't need to be, you know, if you can afford it, maybe you you know, pay someone to do other things right. or just simply stop doing the things that are just not important to your life. That leaves you with the two things. You've got that list of things that you kind of maybe do. They do have a, a, a tangible results. You know, maybe it's some social media, maybe it's something that, but it's just time consuming. Mm-hmm. And when you've identified that list of things that you kind of have to do or you need to do because, hey, they work, but you don't like doing them. That's that kind of center column. Yes. That's when you can go through that list because you freed up some time from the stopping the things that are just not productive at all. You can then spend that extra time to try and systematize the things and or, or at least... I mean, you can use like a, a screen recorder and record the things that are repetitive, map out so you've got this kind of standard operating procedure, if you like, so that you could effectively hand that off to someone else. But because you've not got that already, you know, it, it's time consuming to, you know, if you were to hire someone in and say, do this thing, it's not productive because you've then got to spend probably more time than necessary. So the first step is to 
to map out those things that you do that are repetitive so that you can then hand them off and uh, you've got this training manual for all those tasks that are unnecessary. Like, for example, if you were, you mentioned social media, if you've right. got a posting schedule and you're posting on Facebook, a little bit of content there, maybe you post the same thing on uh, LinkedIn, maybe you post a little tweetable on, on Twitter and, you know, maybe you send a snippet out to your email list, then brings them back to the blogs and you've got to put the blog on. And, you know, once you've written the thing, the thing that you're, you're expert, an expert in, then that gets sent out. But mm-hmm. if you can map out, okay, step number one, I do this. Step number two, I do that. Step number three, I do this. And then it makes sense to think about, okay, is there any tools that can help me to automate right, that? Of course, yeah. And then do I need to input it into the automation tool myself? Could I hire someone to do the repetitive task right. of taking all that content and creating a posting schedule or distribution calendar or whatever makes sense for you? Mm-hmm. You know, that's where you can just cross it out on your list. Now it's not on the things that you have to do, but don't need to do, okay. because then that's going to free you up to spend time with the clients, the customers, the, the, the core business, the things that you love doing. That's the reason why you started doing that in the first place. So you can free up that time, but it's got to start with, you've got to identify it first, then think about how to actually do that. You can talk it through, you know, if we can record it on a, a screen camera and, um, you know, you can then start to think about passing it off to someone to go step by step and create a document from the video that you recorded might be the first step so they understand the process in the first place. And it just frees up this time and then you're not running around like a headless chicken. You're not doing all the hours that we were talking about. You're freeing mm-hmm. your time up systematically. I, again, I'm not I'm, I'm not saying it's going to be an easy task. No. It's well worth it because by doing that process of just stopping the things that aren't important, by systematizing those that are necessary and genuinely move my business and life forward, it now means that I'm only doing a 90 minutes a day. I don't, I'm not spending all day doing the things that I need to do to maintain and grow my business. And that means that I can have a life and do yeah, the things that absolutely. I really enjoy doing outside of that. Absolutely. And because of that, that allowed me to care for my parents in the last five years of their life. Oh, and great. that was really something I would yeah. wish on, so, on everyone, well, yeah. whether it be their parents or family, because yes. they stopped being my parents I at know. a certain yep. short point. Oh, and so they became my best friends. And that, that's five years that I, I would just, my brother didn't have that, you know, and I did. And, you know, and you can see it in his eyes when we talk about it, you know, mm-hmm. he, he, he generally missed, missed out on that. But that's what having that time freedom allowed me to do. And that's time you can spend doing hobbies, family, loved ones, whatever you want to do. That's why we're doing this. That's what I, that for me, as you can probably gather, I'm getting quite emotional about it. That's the, that's on the hustle. That's just being taking a pause, take a breath and just figuring out what do I really want out of life? Then you can start to design this world that you want to live in by just thinking creatively. Well, not even think creatively, just stop doing the things that make you miserable. Right. And And then it just frees up all the time and you can focus that energy on the things that really do matter for you. And the things that really do matter are oftentimes things that are not tied to our business. And that's why it's good to free up that time. And I'm so sorry about your parents and to hear about your brother. And it's it's very normal, though. It's so common. Yeah, circle of life. Yeah, I mean, don't be wrong. They had a good run. Um, I, I, I'm, as you probably gathered, the way I talk about, I am an optimist. I have got zero regrets when I'm 
certainly with, with that side of uh, my right. life, I can generally look back and say I did everything that I could have done. And so many people look back on certain areas of life and they say, I wish I'd done more. And it's usually at the death of a loved one, you know, whether your parents passed on or, or you know, the, the end of a chapter in your personal book, whatever that end of the chapter yeah. is. Everyone looks back and says, I wish I'd done more. If I'd only had the time, oh, there's that phrase. If I'd only had the time to do, yeah. insert the thing. Now we can find that time, you know, and, and just with a little bit of creative thinking. Absolutely. So there's something I wanted to ask. It's unrelated to health, but it's it's interesting to me and to some of my listeners who are building a business. It's about niching and the importance of finding a niche. And I, I, I really mm. agree with this as well. I mean, it's 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 really something that's been helping me. Has it been helping me? I mean, I'm just starting out, but it's mm. what is the importance of the niche and how can you find your perfect niche and just profit from this and doing less and focusing in and getting more gains that way? I think I'd like to preface it by saying that it always used to be a joke that underwater basket weaving was given as an example right. when people were talking about imaginary businesses to illustrate a point. Right. Now that's a thing. Underwater yes. kickboxing is a, a very thriving yes. industry. Right. So I think firstly, if you want to pick a niche, pick something that really interests you. Everyone you know, from a career and work point of view, many people do things that they hate doing. Mm -hmm. And we, we live in such an abundant world where we can literally choose something that is really interesting and passionate to our life and well-being because I get to do that thing that I don't consider work for the rest of my life. And whatever that thing is for you, that's what you get to choose. So I think if you can mix some elements of that into your decision, then that would be great. And um, niching down, I think for me, my kind of first realization is, is when I first started business online back in 2001, I had the attitude, again, like most people, pilot high, sell it cheap. And it's got kind of work hard mentality. And from a business point of view, if you just pilot high, sell it cheap, the customers will come, you'll have lots of them. But then because it's cheap, it creates this its own set of problems. Yes, you might have a lot of sales, but then those customers are going to take up a lot of time mm -hmm. of that you probably don't have. And you know, my whole ethos is I want less time. I sorry, I, I want I want more of my own time and I don't right. want to sell my time for money. So I think when you're niching down, you know, think about the end objective. What do you want is the end goal? I want something that gives me lots of free time. And then when you put that restriction on certain career choices or business decisions, they mm -hmm. start to be less significant, less important because with the pilot, I sell it cheap attitude. It means that I've got to balance that with lots of time to, to make that type of business work, unless you're going to hire people in. I mean, at first you're probably going to be doing a lot of things yourself if you're going to do the, the solopreneur type route, but then you get to free up that um, time later on. Sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought there. If you just bear with me a second, where was I going with this? No worries. <laughs> it happens. I do it all the time. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. It just happened from time to time. You can leave it in. I don't mind. I'm an idiot. No, of course <laughs> not. No, this is very informative. So it's also when you want to find your perfect clients. So say you're in a a specific business, nutrition, health, you want to find a specific client. Pick the, the type of thing that you want to do, and then you can get to pick who would be the ideal person that you want to work right. with. Again, I'm thinking more of the ends rather than where I am right now. Okay. So what do you want? What would be the ideal person? What would be the ideal thing? Do you want to work with someone that's always moaning and bitching and complaining about the thing that you're trying to help them with, if you're a coach or, or the, the product that, or the thing that you're trying to sell? If they're always going to be in that negative mindset, right. I don't really want to work with that person right? because I'm really 
you know, I do a lot of you know, mind work and self-improvement and meditation because my mental health is really important to me yeah. for, for all the same reasons that I mentioned earlier. So I get to choose who I work with. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people kind of have the attitude of, do you have a pulse? Do you have some money? Great. So let's do business together. Right. And I think that's the wrong attitude. And again, I do appreciate that we've also got to put food on the table as well when we start out. But if you can be selective and set those standards early on, and that's going to help you niche down. So pick who you want to help and what you want to do and how you want to, how you envisage the perfect experience that you can deliver the customer, that you can deliver the thing that you want to do. What would be the dream come true? What would be the end results? Not just for your customer, but what would be the experience for you? What would make you happy if you could only do one thing for the rest of your life? And how would that be if you were already there? So when you know that, you can start to work backwards and figure out, okay, well, how do I get there? That, that's what I think is a big part of niching down. And that's probably the first place that I would start. What would be that dream come true, both for you and the clients? And if you're already there, what does that look like? Because you know, when you know that, when you know the destination, you can work out the journey a lot easier because you, you know where you're going. Does, does that make sense? Yes, it does. Absolutely. Awesome. Another way I sometimes describe this is, is if we were to write a letter, now we've got that ideal thing that we're going to do and the perfect clients that we want to work with. If we were going to write them a letter, a very personal letter to say, dear Bob, you know, I've got this thing. I think it would really, really help you. It's going to be really beneficial and it's going to be, it's going to change your life. You know, if that's the, because we're in business to maybe to change people's lives. So if I was going to write them that letter, most people have Bob who lives on planet earth and that might be their the way that they niche down. So if I work with coaches and consultants and business owners, that would be like planet earth. Anyone who owns a business is a potential client, but we need to go deeper to niche down to figure out, again, this imaginary letter that we're trying to write to this person. We need the name, the address, the street address, the city, the town, the zip code. We need as much detail to be able to post that letter because it's an important letter. It's going to change their lives. When I actually went and applied that, and it took me many years to start to do this, but when I did that, it meant that I'm excluding all the people who are going to create stress in my life. So we can come at it the other way. Who don't you want to work with? I don't want to work with people who are moaning and bitching and complaining and taking up all my time. And if you have that restriction, and then you can put a picture of those people that you hate to work with. Right. Say, I want to put barriers up. You're almost like a sales uh, prevention department. How yes. can I exclude those people from my life? And that might be another way. And sometimes people find that much easier yeah, because then, and again, it's not a nasty thing. It's just, I don't like working with this type of person, but I love more of them. Okay. But it allows you to exclude the people uh, in the same way as like, how do I stop these people from coming in? Almost like, um, like in a nightclub, you've got the red velvet rope. If your name's right. not on the, if your name's not down, you're not coming in. Right, <laughs> right. You know, that's what you're doing to your business. Right. I kind of went off on, on a little bit of a no, tangent there. No, does no, that make sense? It totally as you can probably gather, I'm a little bit chatty though. No, that's good. That's <laughs> good. No, it's almost like I was taught in a business seminar to create an avatar. It wasn't really the exclusionary principle, that's actually a different way to look at it. And it's, it's good because it, it helps you narrow it down. I don't want stress in my life. How can I prevent yes. those people? So I'm highly motivated to do that as quickly right. as possible so that I can create this stress. I want a stress-free life. It's as simple as that. That's, right. that's the top of my priority. And you know, 
we can do that process in so many areas of our life and not just business. Okay. I mean, I, I've actually done that twice in my personal life where I've gone to the extreme lengths of cutting people out of my life yeah. because they brought so much anguish to, you know, right. I can't think of a stronger word, but they brought so much pain and frustration into my world. Yeah, that I didn't want it. them to be a part of it anymore. Right. And I think that's such a, it, it, it's selfish, but it's, it's such a healthy thing to do. Yes, it is. And you've got to give you your own peace of mind first. You know, by doing all these processes mm -hmm. in business and life, we create this positive environment around us. And I've got to admit, I'm generally one of the happiest people. Uh, I'm at one of the happiest times of my life because of this process, because it's such a stress-free. And don't be wrong, I, I still experience stress and mm -hmm. frustration. But because you, you have this, how can I exclude that from my life mm. as much as possible? Right. Then it, it just creates an environment where you can thrive in both in you know, business and life. Right. Great. Well, thank you. I really do agree that you can, you can use that in many ways, in many ways of what you don't want to deal with in your personal life, your business life, mm. and lots of ways. So that's really helpful. So as far as how do people get in contact with you if they want to work with you? Yeah, if people, well, that's very kind of you to ask. If people do want to get in touch, if they've liked anything that I've said or want to have a conversation, if they don't mind me talking at them, <laughs> we'll get on like a house on fire. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> and they can reach me at my website. It's unhustled. It's the opposite to hustle. It's hustle with an un on the front and a D on the end, unhustled.com. And if we go to the forward slash uh, teaspoon, uh, there'll be a lovely picture of yourself on there, just a reminder of where you heard them from. And uh, they can find uh, you know, all my contact details there. So unhustled.com forward slash teaspoon. Excellent. And is there anything you'd like to share with our listeners before we sign off? No, I, I think, I mean, I'm very conscious this is a, a more health-focused uh, show. And while we've spoken more from a, an angle of business, the things that we've talked about and spoken about today, you can apply them in your life. Even if you're not a business owner, you can apply lots of these tactics and strategies to give yourself a stress-free life or to pursue the things that genuinely give you happiness because it's the same principles that have used in business in life and just how to create that abundance of happiness and optimism around you. And, I, and that really is what Unhustled gives me. And that's what I'm trying to kind of give to the world in a, such a small way by you know, doing small interviews like this. So yeah, I'm really appreciative to um, you to allow me to get that over to your audience. Wonderful. No, I, I'm sure it's going to be really helpful. And like you said, even if you don't own a business, you can apply this to your life, to your personal life, to your mm. family, I don't know, probably even yeah. to, to anything. So thank you so much, Phil. Thank you very much for having me, Dawn. And appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. Have a good day. And yourself. Bye now. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Teaspoon of Healing. If you have any questions for me or for Phil, go to my website, teaspoonofhealing.com. You can click on contact. I'll get back to you. And you can also email me, dawn at teaspoonofhealing.com or visit my social media, facebook.com slash teaspoonofhealing or on Instagram, I am at teaspoonofhealing. And don't forget, you can visit Phil's page at unhustled.com slash teaspoon and find out more about him and stay tuned for next week we'll have another episode thank you for listening to a teaspoon of healing with dawn damari your home for wellness and vibrant living 
For more resources on wellness and vibrant living, visit us online at teaspoonofhealing.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please consult a physician or other health professional before undertaking changes in lifestyle or wellness habits. The author claims no responsibility to any person or entity for any liability, loss, or damage caused or alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of use, application, or interpretation of the information presented herein. Hey there, this is Sean. And this is Frank Jag from Sensibly Cynical. And you can check us out on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher application. Or just be real, you can just Google our name, Sensibly Cynical. That too.